0: or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Hey, what did you think of last week? Of Pastor Hal Perkins uh, at Listen Twice, everybody. Come on now. My goodness. that was so good. Um, I was uh, watching it. Uh, uh, Pacific time, early in the morning, and um, all tearing up um, on YouTube, watching it, and just so, so grateful for that message, Dad, and um, love what God is doing in our house, and uh, I'm going to talk about it again, uh, so this is not all, but thank you, and uh, love you, so grateful. All right, let's go after this. We are in this uh, series called Presence People, and so we've taken some time to talk about giving thanks here in Psalm 100. We've talked about uh, giving praise. We talked about listening twice. I want to go after this last verse, um, verse five. Here it says this For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. So it's not just the movie. That came out that said God was working in the 60s and 70s, and it's not just that generation, and it's not just Joshua's generation, and it's not just whatever your favorite revival movement or church history movement. It's not just your parents' generation that he has been good, that that his love has endured, that he's been faithful. He is that way in our generation, and God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In every generation, God is faithful, which means he's faithful today. And I wanna go after this idea about the generations a little bit and talk about our generation and not just that, that last verse about his faithfulness throughout all generations. Psalm 78 reads like this. It says, we will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation. We will tell, just speak. We will say, we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. We'll say it. We'll, we'll tell the next generation about his power, his praiseworthy deeds. Psalm 71, 18, one more, and then we'll talk. says this, even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this house. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing in our city. And God, we thank you for what you're doing in America and around the world. And we pray your kingdom come, your will be done. We pray, Lord Jesus, that we would be a people that praise. We pray that we would be a people uh, filled with thanks. I pray that we'd be a people that listen, that listen and then speak what you're saying. We pray, Lord Jesus, that the, the goodness, the love of God that has been faithful throughout all generation, would be told from generation to generation. And I pray that in this house, we would be declarers, speakers, proclaimers of what you have done and what you are doing. I pray that we would not be silent about the testimony of what God has done. I pray that we would have testimonies about what God is doing. I ask that there would be so much in this house where we're talking and speaking of God, that we would be overflowing, spilling out, look what the Lord has done. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. That phrase there in Psalm 71, till I declare the power of God to the next generation, that's really what dad was doing last week. Like, like for the most part, some of you, some of you are, are, are around his age, 77 or so, but the majority in the room are a little bit younger. And what dad's doing is he's saying, hey, here's what God did. Here's the way that God healed Not only is the, here's the way that God healed, but here's my desire to walk in relationship with God. And out of his example, his testimony last week was they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Last week was a big fat testimony that says, look what the Lord has done. If you go back and you watch it on YouTube, you like, well, for me, because I lived it, man, there was so many tears of the moments of this is what God did. This was dad a couple years later saying, Hey. I want you to know, God at work. I want you to know there's a bigger story than my story. I want you to know there's a bigger story than the cultural narrative that's out there all the time that makes this about you. God is at work. God's worth listening to. And he told about Jesus. And Jesus listening to his father. And he, he, he spoke of, of encouraging us to do the same. And he's speaking about the power of God. I think it's a fulfillment of him living out some of this Psalm 71. I won't rest until I speak of the power of God to the next generation. This idea in Psalm 100 about all generations, all generations have the opportunity to see the love of God or experience the goodness of God. I think in our culture, um, this is like working a, a, a new muscle to say, huh, me having a confession I want to declare the power of God to the next generation. That's a muscle that we don't normally work out. That's one that we might not normally think of. Culturally, one of the things I love about American culture is I love that we have a big emphasis on provision for the next generation. I've traveled enough around the world to see where people don't provide for the next generation. And many times, especially if you talk to... uh, Men in our culture, or women in our culture, they'll say, I'm going to provide. And I love that. We're going to take, take care of the next generation. Let's, let's provide for them. Many times when you talk to people about their parents, and, and they're not exactly sure that their parents got it right, but there's a default position that says, hey, they provided for me. That's a great thing. It's a good thing. And we've seen enough poverty or people with brokenness to, to champion that. It's a beautiful thing. I think another one that we really emphasize a lot, it's a, that's a good one, is, is I'm going to say preparation for the next generation. Meaning I think there's a big emphasis in our culture about education. Let's make sure and make sure our kids are educated. I love that one. I think that's a great one. I think it's a great one to train up young people as well. And I would say that this would be one about the power of God to the next generation. Declaring, speaking of the power of God. That is not one that is in American culture, but it is one that's in kingdom culture. Where what I desire to talk about is the power of God. Is God working, God's faithfulness, God's love, God at work. So I wanna invite you today to work that muscle, to look at your life, rewrite, think about ideas, stories, habits, thinking about the next generation, what it looks like for us to be a people that talk about the power of God, declare it, tell it. So let me show you a few different generations. Let's go Moses generation for just a moment. This is just one little verse here about declaring the power of God to the next generation. Listen to this. Deuteronomy six, in the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations decrees, the laws of the, uh, the laws, the Lord, our God has commanded you, tell him. So here it is. Speak it. Tell him we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord. So we were slaves. This is what we were living in. This is where we were, but God, but the Lord brought us up out of Egypt with a mighty hand before our eyes. The Lord sent signs and wonders great and terrible on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household, but he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised, uh, an oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decree, all these decrees, and to fear the Lord our God, so that we might all, always prosper and be kept alive, as in the case today. And if we are careful to obey all the law before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us, that that will be our righteousness. So Deuteronomy 6, speaking of the law. And here's language that says, we will declare to the next generation what God did. He brought us up out of Egypt. This is what the Lord has done. This is what God did. So here we follow, obey the laws of God. Listen to what God has done. Hear it. I'm going to speak it. How will you know it? I'm going to tell you. Joshua generation. Here's another one. I just want to review, just want you to see some of this. Joshua chapter four, of course, the famous story going into the promised land, verse 20. And Joshua set up at Gilgal, the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground for the Lord, your God, dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over the Lord, your God, uh, the Lord your God did to the Jordan what he has done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we crossed over it. He did this so that all the peoples on the earth might know that the, Lord of, that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. It's another story. Joshua generation. Parents telling the next generation. Same idea. Tell them. So setting up the 12 stones in that story was this. This is what God has done. We're gonna set up 12 stones and it's so that when you see it, what is that about? What is that memorial for? Oh, so that we can point back and tell you, look what the Lord has done. This is what God did. These are the stories of God at work. This is when the Lord did something powerful. So it's not just in my history. I want you, I'm going to be a, a, a declarer, a heralder. I'm going to be somebody that passes it on. I'm going to speak about God at work. One more Paul generation. Look at this. So we're going to stoot forward all the way after Jesus' apostolic age, Paul in a Roman prison, speaking to young Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.9. Many believe that 2 Timothy was Paul's last letter where he says this, verse nine, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach other people. So Paul's speaking here and he says to young Timothy, not a physical son, biological son, but a spiritual son where he says, all right, you've heard me say this. I'm passing it along to you. I'm speaking it to you. And I want you then to entrust it to reliable teachers, to other people. I'm going to declare it to you. We've got three different spiritual generations here. I say it to you. You pass it on to people who will pass it on. Or Nathan just read a moment ago that verse. What what was given to me, what, what I received, I pass on to you. It's the same idea. I received it and I pass it on. One of the best things that Pastor Hal helped us is he received, he waited, he spent his life spending time listening to God. So when he gives a testimony last week, we have the potential to have something to receive. Many of us could wait on God and receive much. What do we have to pass on? What, What could we pass on to the next generation? I love the idea, pass on some kind of inheritance. Great. I love the idea of pass on, you know, some really good physical things to the next generation. Good, and here's the question today: What could you receive from God and declare so confidently the power of God? What 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 could be something that this is what I declare? And I'm not just talking about your biological children. I'm talking about spiritual sons and daughters. I'm not maybe grandchildren. But having a vision that says, okay, all right, that's too spiritual, David. That's, that's too much. Oh, no, no, no. No, it's not. He, there's going to be some things that you pass along. There's going to be a legacy. There's going to be some things. And if in your heart, this confession that we hear, this Psalm 71 confession, when I'm old and gray, I, here's what I desire. I don't, I don't, I'm not moving on until I declare, I speak, I proclaim the power of God to the next generation. Maybe, maybe if we had a little vision that said, that's, that's a part of what, I, I wanna awaken that desire a little bit. I want it to be awakened in me. I feel like I heard some of it last week. I feel like I see it in the scriptures. I feel like it's a part of what the people of God do. And when we have some are different statistics are different, but somewhere around two-thirds of young adults that walk away from the faith in their 20s. That's a really high one. Some say it's, it's it, it, different places say different numbers, but nonetheless, it's, it's, a, it's a frequent scenario. What are some of the things that we in our church could do so that we have a house where that is not the case? So that we have young disciples that are walking with Jesus. And, and we have been declaring to the next generation with our words, with our lives, with our stories, what we declare over and over and over again. I was, I loved the Dream Team uh, party on Friday night, or on Thursday night. I keep saying Friday night. Thursday night. Had a lot of great conversations. But my favorite conversation was with Silas French. He's five. Uh, and uh he said to me how much he loves Adeline Perkins his kids teacher and so when he's telling me how much he loves Adeline Perkins here's what I'm loving about that that to me is the biblical vision one generation declaring the praiseworthiness of God to the next generation one generation declaring the power of God to the next generation. So he's super cute. He's the guy that at Monday night prayer wipes off all of the little cans of soda and hands them to you before you go into soda. He's five, so he's, he's next year's dream team winner. I can, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. I am just telling i do not care how well y'all do this year. He's gonna be six. He's winning next year. I mean, he's just, he's just he hands it to you as you walk in. But he started telling me about Adeline and what, what, how much he liked Miss Adeline It's not just a biblical vision, it's our church vision. It's our our church vision that that you would have the boomer generation investing in the next generation. That you would have Gen Z investing in the next generation. That you would have Gen X investing in the next generation. That you would have the millennials investing in the next generation. That you, I mean, all, all, and Gen Z investing in Gen Alpha. (laughs) Like, I don't care what generation you claim to be in the biblical idea is I'm gonna declare the power of God to the next generation. Biblically, generations tend to be 40 years. I don't know right now why we do 15, but we do. But the whole idea is, is, that, is that you are declaring to younger people, look what the Lord has done. Look, look, look at what my God, and I'm just telling you, right now, I was joking around with my youngest son. Uh, he was born in 2010, and so he, so my my. gen alpha they say starts in in, uh, 2010 so he likes to joke around that he's he's a different generation than the other three kids um which I believe is comical but uh but but I was thinking about that age group and that gen alpha group imagine if you have all of these generations declaring 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 this is who God is and they go to camp radiant this is who our God is they go to a small group this is who our God is they, 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 and their songs this is who our God is and we have the testimony let me tell you about what my God did let me tell you let me proclaim to you about what God has done in my life so that in a, in a, in a, in a fellowship in a church what is on our lips is the narrative the stories about what God has done I believe it's our it's a biblical vision I believe it's our church's vision for Renata and I personally, it's a part of our family's vision. So for uh, Adeline to be singing worship songs with small children and, and them to hear about Jesus through our 15-year-old, that brings delight to us. And I want to invite you to just think about what, what, not, I want to invite you to just ask the Lord. It's not Pastor David talking about it. It's you. Lord, what are you, what is on my lips? What, what, what do I talk about? How could I communicate, declare, tell, proclaim? Moses' generation, let us proclaim. Here's what God did when he took us through the Red Sea. Joshua generation, as we're going into the promised land, we're going to build out a little altar. Why? So that we can declare, tell the next generation, this is what the Lord has done. Paul, let me tell you, let me proclaim it to you, young Timothy. Let me say and let me tell you what Jesus did for me. This is my story. This is God at work. I believe we have so much opportunity to invest in young people, and it's not mostly what happens with a sermon and a song. It's what comes from your story. It's not so much when we have when we have young people, kids, teenagers, we're all going to gather on a Sunday, it's really great. We'll do, we'll we'll have some power moments where we say, I ah, thank God. The sermons will be incredible. I mean, it's gonna be amazing. But what we'll minister is not so much a sermon or a song, it's it's a hug and a compliment that tells them who they are. It's it's a proclamation. This is what God is at work doing. And I want to invite you to just do a little inventory. I know you got a lot going. I know I know you got to scroll the internet. I know you I know you got to make money. I know you got to mow your yard. I know we got to pay bills. I know that you've got to watch the news. I know you got a lot. I know you got emails. I know. And I want to invite you to ask God, what would it look like? What how could I have this This seems to be a very strong idea coming from the Bible. Seems to be very, very strong. Seems, it seems to me like there's something in the heart of God that wants from generation to generation to hear about who God is. It's just seems like, it just seems like I should have a, a vision for future generations to know this is what the Lord has done. So what would it look like for you to actually build relationships with the next generation? That famous Malachi 4, 6 text where the Old Testament concludes... About the hearts of the fathers will turn towards the children. I just, I, I just want to point out about in the turning. Turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. The children of the fathers. That Malachi 4 text. The fathers turn first. And I want to invite you. What would it look like for you to turn your heart? Not just to your children. But to the next generation. To the generation in the house. Here at Radiant Church. What would it look like? I'm just inviting you to pray about it. To look at it. What, okay, uh, not necessarily waiting for the teenager to walk up to you and say, will you disciple me? Good luck with that one. <laughs> but instead, let me turn first, okay? Lord, what, how, how, what? I, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that you serve on five teams like Michelle, I, 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 but I am invited, maybe on a, what does it look like on a Sunday? Or what does it look like for a week, a year? Or what does it look like, how? How how could you be a declare to the next generation? Maybe thinking about it with your own children, maybe with your own grandchildren. God, what could it look like for that that passion that we feel in David in Psalm 71 till I declare it to the next generation? That same idea, Psalm 78. That same idea in Deuteronomy 6. That same clear idea, build an altar. Build up the 12 stones in Joshua 4. It's the same concept coming through over and over again. Uh, There's a book just came out by uh, David Kinsman and he's the president now of Barna Research. And he just did a study about this next generation, looking at what it takes for young people to remain disciples. It was 10 years worth of research. The the book is called Faith for Exiles: Five Ways for to a New Generation to Follow Jesus in a digital in digital Babylon. Five ways for a new generation to follow Jesus in digital Babylon, and it talks about five different things that the next generation needs based upon their research. Here is number three. I am only going to give you one of the five. You can read the book if you want to read all five. But here was number three: When isolation and mistrust are the norms, that's talking about the culture. When isolation and mistrust are the norms, forging here is the phrase meaningful intergenerational relationships. So in the study, there's five components needed for the next generation to remain disciples and be strong right now. One of the five, I mean, the first one is friendship with God. So you can go through it, but I found that one very interesting. Intergenerational relationships. So I just want to invite you to think, okay, this seems to be a real biblical idea. This seems to be something that's even the culture is mirroring back to us. This is something that's needed. Lord, what could it look like in my life? Renate and I uh, always talk about our, the, the prayer meeting that we do every week with a phrase, the whole family praying for the whole world. Meaning we've intentionally designed it for what our desire was with our kids, where we want to gather with the saints of God and have all generations... Praying together for the whole world. The whole family praying for the whole world. That's, that's a way to start. Not just participation in the prayer meeting, but, but it could be uh, in your own life. Beginning to just say, here's where I can start. I can start with prayer. Could look like small groups. We begin small groups next week for our summer small groups. Renata and I, our favorite kind of small groups in this season, because this is the season we're in, is small groups with our kids Me, it's sons and fathers. Renata, our daughters with mothers. That's what we enjoy. Why? Because of this intergenerational relationships. One of the things that helps our children is when they have godly echoes or godly aunts and uncles that are speaking to them. So, for example, Will's sitting here on the front row. He knows this, right? My friend, Will Riddle, he's one of the trustees He's here at Radiant. He went out with my son, Dawson, last week. Dawson, and he had, Do you have coffee or boba? What'd you do? Boba's like the thing. Pot belly. Pot belly. There it is. All right. So they go, pot belly. That's, that's, that's expensive. Uh, and, uh, and Dawson comes back after the meeting and he's like, dad. And he's just, and Will said this and Will said that and Will said this and Will said, and Will said that and Will said this. It's the very same stuff I tell him. But when Will says it, it's like revelatory and intelligent, right? And I say, is it because he went to Duke? He worked for NASA. Ooh, you know, big deal. <laughs> you think he's smart? <laughs> no. But here's what it is. Hey, if you can pick on me last week, I'll pick on Will. What's up? He's dangerous sitting on the front row, of radiant. <laughs> uh, anyway, but but here's what happens. Here's it's it's the way it's supposed to be. It's it's fellowship, it's community. It's it's, it's moms and dads speaking, declaring the power of God to the next generation. So I wanna invite you, what could it look like? I'm not saying that you build a relationship with every child, every teenager, but you could build a relationship with one. You, you, You could be intentional about, we have fathers and sons serving on our camera team we have, we have different ways that people jump in and build relationships. And I just, I think there's a way. One of the things I love, uh, I was talking to someone who's um, uh, older generation than you know, Gen Z, and they were just telling me how much they love to serve at Bold Conference. It's two and a half days. They do it once a year. And just to see hundreds of young people going after God, encountering God. It's a place where maybe you could start to form a relationship. I just want you to know that's so. A part of my role as a shepherd is I'm taking us through different seasons. There's some discipleship seasons, there's some outreach seasons, there's some prayer seasons, there's seasons where we celebrate Easter and the resurrection, there's some seasons where we sell. Here's June that for us this month. This is we're going after the next generation. This is what we're doing. Yes, we're gonna learn on Sundays. And we're going to learn the Bible, but we're going to to pour out our lives to make a difference among young people. And I just want to invite you to go, Lord, what could I do? What might it look like? What's a place where I could build a relationship with the next generation? Second idea is this. um, Share your God stories with the next generation. This is what God did. That's, that's what crossing over the Jordan was in Joshua 4. That's even Deuteronomy 6, where we're talking about, hey, obey the law of the Lord. Hey, this is, God delivered us. He saved us out of Egypt. Man, I was, I was a slave, and you've got a story. You've got a story. Man, don't, we don't always talk about how great you are and how amazing you are and how, no, no, a teenager needs to hear, hey, I was as mess, messed up as you are. I mean, you know what I mean? This is what God did. I was broken, I was addicted, and here's how Jesus saved me. And then tell them, talk far more than, I'm t- I love, hey, we'll, let's talk about, let's connect over some sports teams and let's connect over some baseball and let's connect over barbecue and let's connect over all those things. But you've got a bigger reason than connecting those things. You're aiming at that moment where you lean across the table and you take the conversation towards, hey, can I tell you about, can I tell you about what God's done in my life? And, 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 and in those moments, that's, your, that's, that's the moment where you're, you're living out a little Psalm 71, a little Joshua 4, a little, a little Deuteronomy 6, a little, uh, I'm going to declare to the next generation, all generations declaring, he's faithful, he's good, his love endures forever. The good, I have lived in the goodness of God. So build those relationships and they take time. They're, they're, it's not, it's not quick and easy. Will's been working on that relationship with Dawson for six years, but you know what? There's a little tweak, a little, a little Dawson, I mean, not little Dawson, he's taller than me, but a little like a little movement of his heart from building that relationship. It's, a, it's just a little bit. It's just, it's just God at work. God using the people of God. Treasure those conversations. Treasure those relationships. And treasure the moments where you get to share. This is what God did. So you might have a story of um, sexual immorality and how God rescued you, loved you, And how in the midst of that pain, Jesus forgave you. And now you found freedom and you could tell a teenager that would bring hope. Uh, You've heard me tell my story all the time. I I, I like junior high, you know, 12, 13, 14 year old guys that are like trying to figure out their identity because that was my story. Uh, That was me, I was, ah, in that season. I like to tell, that's where Jesus met me. So if you can start to, to look back kind of, if you could kind of scroll, if you picture like a, a movie where you go back into your life and then find, freeze the moments. This is where God broke in. This is where God spoke. This is where he saved. This is where he redeemed. This is where he healed. And then develop that story where you can speak it, where you can say it and then that's the story. That's your Red Sea story. That's your moment of salvation or that's your moment of, of healing or emotional healing or restoration or identity finding. When I tell my story, I don't speak mostly of uh, salvation because I, was, I had chosen to follow Jesus at a younger age. But it was, there was something at that age 12 where I found my identity and it formed me in a different kind of way. And so that's, that's my, that's my power alley. I, I, there's some, uh, some, a lot, of for that one story, there's a hundred stories I don't have. But all of us having our story is what makes us strong. You developing that story that you have. And then go back and just like Joshua 4, they built an altar so that we could point back. Take your children, your grandchildren, and, f- and create that altar so that you can communicate it. So yes, you got your, the pictures of yourself and what you've accomplished in your house. Great, I do that too. We got, but have something that points back. This is, this is when Jesus saved me. This is my story. I'm gonna, I'm gonna create ways where I can, I mean, honestly, even what my dad shared last week, that whole thing, this, this, is, this is a way that it, it opens up a story. Let me tell you what God has done. I took my... Um, my children, uh, on a visit to the Holy land of Oklahoma city. Just kidding. Uh, (laughs) that's where I encountered God. Um, I do want to take them to the Holy land one day, but we haven't yet. I took them, uh, to Oklahoma city and I just wanted to show them kind of my story and Renata's story. And so we took them to a bunch of places. I took them to, um, Putnam city North football field where I spent my Friday nights and I was surprised that, you know, neither me nor they were that excited about it. And then I, I took them to, um, the religion building where I got my undergrad, and they weren't excited about it, and neither was I. And uh, I, I mean, it was, it was fine, it was no big deal. And I, I, I took them and uh, went to just kind of show them my old house, and that was great. But I, but there was, I did have this moment. I, somehow I took them to my junior high. And I. Uh, Pointed to the woodshop room, where I led a prayer meeting every every day in the ninth grade. A place where I saw, you know, I saw hundreds of kids start to give their lives to Christ. I built friendships, started to form a, a more identity in God in a powerful way in junior high, and, and I don't know what happened in them, but for me, it was like hallowed space. It was like that's the spot that beat up old nasty wood shop room. That's, a, that's, that's my 12 stones. That's the place. That's where I got a story to tell. It's not my story. It's God taking a, a kid that was insecure, miserable, and God... God worked. God did a miracle. And when they build 12 stones, when they tell the story of the Red Sea, next generation, the heart tends to not be flesh, tends to be stone, who cares? But you know what caused it to come alive? When the orator, the heralder, the declarer, the person that God worked says, no, no, you value me and let me let me tell you what, what God did for me. God brought us through the Red Sea. God brought us through the Jordan. God gave us this promised land. God, Paul would say, Jesus appeared to me brighter than the sun. Acts chapter nine, Damascus Road. What, what I received, I pass on to you. You got a story to tell. So you can, you can, You can find those memorials. You can tell the story. You can create an object and the object is not the 12 stones. It's the God who did the work. So build the relationship and then look for ways to tell the story. Last idea is this. Sow hidden seeds in the next generation. Meaning that whole Matthew nine idea, we we sow seeds, uh, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. I am inviting you to labor. I'm just inviting you to go ahead and decide I could labor for a lot of things. I could labor to be famous on the internet. I could labor to have a perfect yard. I could labor. There's a lot of things you could labor for. And I am inviting you to have one of the things that you labor for. I will sow hidden seeds into the next generation, meaning you may never get to see the harvest. If you think, if you think about your own salvation story, just think about the moment that you give your life to Jesus. A high percentage of us, there was a lot of people that sowed hidden seeds to get to that moment. If it was a camp, there was, uh, you know, if there's like a a youth camp, there's singers that, that they, they don't know about your salvation moment. There's, there's camp directors. If you were to think about, if it was at a church service, there's people that are setting up at portable. If you were to think about that, it's young life, man, big young life culture here in Kansas City. There's a whole lot of people raising funds, opening up their homes, doing things. I mean, you, you could look back at that moment, and there's so many different people that worked that, that, that wouldn't know that you made that decision to follow Jesus. Like I want you to think back about the actual moment. If you could name it, if you could name the, the space where you gave your life to Jesus. There's a whole lot of people. That before Jesus one day, they were a seed sower and there's great reward in heaven, but they don't even know your name and you don't know theirs, but it's God at work through the generations. And I was thinking about my story, man, how many different people that just little sacrifices, little getting there early moments ever. I mean, moments of so many different people helping in every form of kids church, all the I mean, it's, it's, it takes so many, it's an army, it's an army of hidden seed sowers. And I just want to invite you to think, all right, God, though I may not be the harvester. I may not be the one that sees them pray a prayer, walk the aisle or however, I'm going to, I'm going to declare it with maybe not just my words, but with my actions, I can't, I'm not necessarily in order, but hey, my serving speaks, my prayers speak, my love speaks. I'm going to declare that way. There's a guy named Don Lewis in the 1930s. He's a pastor and he went house to house, um, telling people about Jesus and inviting them to his church. And, um, he found this one house where there was uh, a single mom. Her husband had left her and was an alcoholic. and She had five sons. And <laughs> he, invi- he said, would, would you be willing to let your sons come to church? She was working um, at night in a hospital, cleaning a hospital in order to make ends meet. They were l- living off very little and she said, sure, that'd be fine. You could, you could take, take the boys to church. So there was a boy there who was, when he was 11, he started going with this pastor to church and um, gave his life to Jesus. And then when he was 16, 16 years old, in the ministry of Don Lewis, pastoring him, loving him, he, he felt like the Lord called him to be a, pastor, a preacher. So he went off to college, got married, and became a pastor. And Jesus changed his life, the whole direction, through Don Lewis, who was a pastor that just decided. The the 11-year-old's name was Arthur. And uh, he grew up, had two kids, and uh, his His daughter is actually on the front row. Her name's Debbie. It's my mom. I don't know Don. Never met him. Don't know much about him. He don't know me. He don't know my kids on the front row. But you know what? He's just so seed. Just laboring. Taking in an 11-year-old. Just going to tell him a little bit about Jesus. Help him on his journey. And I just want to invite us. As we go into June, we're going to work hard. I'll invite you to ask God. I don't want you to feel guilty. I don't want you to feel like, oh, David's pushing me. All I want you to do is just ask the Lord. What's my yes? What are you inviting me to? What does it look like for me to care? Would you just bow your heads? Just take a moment. Just ask the Holy Spirit to give you just, just one little obedience step. Just could be big, I guess. What's my step? There's many of you that are parents or grandparents. And even in, even in moments like this, the Lord's giving you ideas. Revelation. Will you just give God your yes? Sometimes for me, what I like to do is I like to say, okay, God, in order for me to add that, I'm gonna have to make this withdrawal. I don't ha- I'm gonna have to decrease my time doing this good thing in order to do this kingdom thing. Nothing wrong with with the good thing. But my aim is to slowly be transformed into the image of Christ and to slowly become more and more where I pour out my life like a drink offering for the lamb. So God, I say yes. Yes. Maybe you're in the room today and today's your day to say yes, to follow Jesus. And just like Pastor Don helped Arthur, (laughs) I'd love to lead you in a prayer to begin your journey as a follower of Jesus. You can pray this prayer and begin the journey. It's not all you pray. It's just your first prayer, but it's a prayer of surrender. Just say this, Jesus. Jesus. Save me, rescue me. I give you my life, make me a new person. I wanna spend eternity with you, forgive me. Give me eternal life. I give you my life. In Jesus name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, I wanna encourage you right there in your seat, there's a card. If you wouldn't mind just filling out that card and letting us know that you made a decision to follow Jesus, just a few moments, we're gonna have our ushers pass by. And I would love if you would fill that out, drop it in there so that we can be in touch with you. We have available for you a Bible. It's right up here at the front. And we'd love for you to come up here, get the Bible today, just so you can have it before you leave. You could tell me or someone up here on the prayer team, we'd love to pray with you. But if you made a decision to follow Jesus today, I wanna to invite you, let us know. Don't let today pass without letting us know. Let's all stand together. I'm to invite our ushers to come forward. Father, we love you today. And Father, we ask in Jesus' name, I pray for a great harvest among young people. I pray at Camp Radiant, Lord Jesus, I pray for our children to hear the good news of the gospel. I pray for stories of God at work in our kids. I pray for teenagers this month, young people to encounter you. I ask in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray, Lord God, use us, spend us. We just say, God, we love the Great Commission more than we love perfectly manicured lawns. We love the Great Commission more than we love whatever hobby. God, we're in love with you. We're in love with what you're doing. Use us as your people. Help us. Help us shave off things that easily entangle us. Help us Help us to run the race that you've called us to. Help us, Lord God. We need your help on our own. We'll pick up all the weights of the culture and we will not mirror Christ, we will mirror the culture. But man, we so desperately wanna mirror the king. We so desperately wanna look like Christ to a generation that needs God so desperately. A generation that right now is so broken and addicted, filled with anxiety. And God, we wanna be the people that share the good news, that declare to the next generation. Be at work, help us. We need you, we need God. Jesus, we love you. Now take what we give. Use it, we pray. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would use our church. I pray that you would use our church. God, as be prepare to go into this new building, I pray that you would use that building for generations to come. I pray, Lord God, for, for my grandchildren, Lord God, to worship in that house. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would use people right here in this house that We would look back. There'd be so many stories. And we don't even know the stories of generations to come. But look back. A few people that prayed and gave and loved and served and lived so sacrificially and cared. We just care. God, we want to care like you care. God, we don't want to live where we just live for our pleasure 90 years and then we die. No. God, we want to live where we care about... Declaring to the next generation the power of God. Look what God did in the 1970s. Look what God did in the 1990s. Look what God did in the 2020s. God is at work. God is healing people. God is saving people. God is at work. Put that passion in us, God. Don't let it lay dormant. Do a work. We need God. We will live like the culture unless we have God at work in us. We need God to be different. We need God to work in our hearts. We need God to change us. We need God to speak through us. We need God to help us pray. We need God to help us be generous. We need God to help us make disciples or we will end up flatlined, living for nothing, living for self. So God do a work. Take what we give. We love you.